Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Blue Wire Podcast. What is happening? My name is Brad Ward. I am the host of All Eyes on Cleveland here on Thursday nights at 8 p.m. Eastern on the OBR stream on uh, Twitch and YouTube. Uh, Glad that you can be with me tonight. Uh, This is our third time going Thursday nights here, so we're looking to lock in this spot every Thursday night with you. We've had a couple guests. Uh, The first episode that I did with you, I threw out... um, in the uh, at the end of the show, hey, throw me some names, some guys you want on the show, some guests, whatever it may be. And one of the most frequented uh, names that we saw was this guy joining me here tonight on uh, All Eyes on Cleveland. So hit the subscribe button, hit the like button uh, while you're doing so. Make sure you take care of business first here, okay? And then we'll get our guest in here. His name is Quincy Carrier. He is fantastic. You can follow him on Twitter at... Quinn underscore C. He has his own uh, YouTube channel, which is uh, spectacular coverage of the Browns. It's at Quincy Carrier on YouTube, untitled and unfiltered. Quincy, what is up, my guy? It is still weird to me that people like mention my name when I do this because, like, to me, I'm just making videos. You know what I mean? I'm not really thinking about the fact that there are people who are just like yeah yeah you should have Quincy on the show it's crazy to me (laughs) yeah yeah man they threw it out there they were like oh yeah get Q on get Q on I was like well we've had him on before so we'll do it again what's up Uh, I saw watched your video today some good stuff on uh, three guys uh, not to uh, give up on yet so that was interesting Um, I I enjoyed that Uh, enjoy your content all the time and people should always be uh, going and watching and subscribing at uh, your YouTube channel but um, I want to there's a number of things that we want to get into tonight and feel free to throw uh, any questions you guys have or things going on uh, in the chat here um, as we get uh, things kicked off so I've been kind of pounding the table, Quincy, about uh, the coaching staff, right? Um, like, what is going on? This is taking forever. The Cardinals kind of, you know, a couple names that were linked to Schwartz were on that Cardinals staff, and they took forever to get their guy uh, after the Super Bowl and everything. Um, and uh, the defensive staff more I'm kind of talking about. And now we've got Chris Kiffin officially gone, Jeff Howard officially gone. Both of them take jobs uh, as linebackers coaches at two different places. But we're seeing some movement now, but no inward movement yet. I kind of, my whole thing was this, Quincy. If you're going to get rid of Joe Woods and you're going to do this, as you should, let Schwartz hire his own staff. Let him bring in his own guys. It should kind of be a clean slate. If you you feel like you got a superstar in there or something, cool. You can hang on to him, let him interview, whatever. But it should really be up to Schwartz and kind of to streamline this thing you know, language, how he teaches things, all that stuff. You want his own guys in there. That's kind of my thinking. They haven't really made any moves yet on this defensive coaching staff. Where are you at with this? Um, it, it's taken forever. I see all these other teams hiring people. Where, where are you at with all this, Quincy, on the defensive staff? Um, Yeah, it, it's a little odd. I thought after the Super Bowl, maybe things would kick up a bit because he yeah. did use the culture of Philadelphia. And maybe that's where a lot of his tentacles are hooked. Um, it's also been a long time since what, he was a defensive coordinator in 2018, I believe, with the Eagles. And I don't think he's been again. So maybe his network might not be as extensive as it once was because, you know, that's a long time in the NFL, so a lot of the guys he had as assistant coaches might be coordinators or, or not eligible to hire because you can't offer them an upgrade, which has happened a couple of times where he's tried to get certain coaches over here, but they got blocked by the, org- uh, the other organization because it's yeah. not an upgrade, right? So that is something else that's factoring in, and I think, you know, when Jim Schwartz was at his press conference, he talked a good amount about being able to coach 
coaches, right? Yeah. Which was something that he felt like was important. And I think this is why, right? Because he knows it's going to be a little bit harder to get some of the staff underneath him. The important thing is to remember is that we cared so much about Joe Woods' staff because Joe Woods himself was very inexperienced. So we wanted that experience to come from guys underneath him. Sure. Um, but now this is a different situation of where uh, Jim Schwartz is the more is the experienced guy in the room. And now he's going to be giving that experience, that knowledge to other coaches. Um, so we feel a lot better about the guy in charge of this. That being said, you still need to fill out these positions and hire the coaches. But I wouldn't be too concerned and freaked out with it just because if this were, let's say they hired one of the lesser known guys, right, um, that were on the list. I forget the name of one of them, but it was the one that everybody was ready to burn the city over if they would have hired. Uh, it was Ijiro, not Ijiro. Ijiro wasn't even in running, but um, he was out of Seattle, I believe. Um yeah, uh, I know who you're talking about. His name Let's say if it was now. that guy and he didn't have coordinating experience, I would be more concerned. But I don't think he was hiring. Like, who are you going to hire that's more experienced than him um, to be a uh, head assistant? That being said, he probably should get like a key, a couple of key assistants under his belt. Right. You know, yeah. guys that he can trust. He could delegate things to delegate things to um, to make sure that his life is easier. Um, but yeah, I, I think that's kind of what's going on there is that he's just trying to figure out that process. Um, I hope nothing worse is going on there, but I think that's just kind of the extent of it. Yeah. Uh, it's like, I'm not really worried about the guys that he brings in. I figure a guy he's been in the league 30 years. He's got a hell of a Rolodex of guys he can go to. I'm sure they tried to bring in Matt Burke from the Cardinals and they blocked it, right? That was the one guy they tried to bring in for an interview. The Cardinals blocked the interview because it was a lateral move. Uh, he took the DC job at, with the Texans, I believe, under D'Amico Ryan. So um, that was a guy he spent a lot of time with, followed him to Detroit from Tennessee and stuff. And he's got, there's some other names out there uh, that have spent time with them uh, that can fill these roles. My whole thing is I just don't want, like, I don't want the same much of any of the staff back from Joe Wood's staff. Like I get that he can coach those guys and he talked about that and everything. But to me, it's like, these are guys that have been here a lot of times, three, four years. And uh, I don't really want any of that garbage to be unearthed when they hit adversity. You know what I mean? Like you kind of want like a fresh slate, I guess, on the defensive staff is kind of where I'm going with it. Yeah. And I think one of the things that might, this might be interesting to see because there's two spring leagues right now and they're taking up a ton of like extra coaches, coaches, positional yeah. coaches. So maybe once those guys free up from the spring, you might see some hires. Um, I know that one of the USFL teams, I know he doesn't coach there anymore, but I think Jeff Fisher was one of the coaches for one of those yeah. USFL teams. So I think maybe that that's holding up a lot of like his connections and maybe once all that stuff gets cleared out. He's able to get some guys, but I don't know if those guys have like causes in their contract where it's like, Hey, we could just, the NFL can pick you up whenever, or maybe they have non-competes. I don't know. It's a weird situation. You have to remember as much as like we associate Jim Schwartz with Bill Belichick because of the documentary and the story about the sandwich and everything. He's not yeah. a Bill Belichick disciple though. No. He was only there for one year and he was a scout. He's really a Jeff Fisher guy. He yep. comes from, like, I think 10, 15 years of Jeff Fisher. So um, I think that might be something that, like, okay, well, maybe that's what's going on. Not saying he's trying to get Jeff Fisher. I, I don't think that's the yeah. case. But he's probably – there's probably guys underneath it that Jeff Fisher brings with him that he probably trusts. Um, uh, but I, I'm just throwing that out there, like, I to say, I don't know. Because yeah. the two spring leagues are kind of unprecedented, and I feel like it's going to be hard for a lot of teams to fill up staffs when you already have a lot of professional coaches kind of doing that because they are paying decently in those spring leagues for those coaches. Yeah, there's some big name coaches, uh, you know, coaching uh, that you know, or guys uh, coaching those teams, and that's a really good point. I didn't even think about it like that. Um, you know, 
most of his experienced guys, I, I think there's a guy, Robertson, from, uh, that was the DB coach on the Cardinal staff also. Uh, he spent you know most of the years in Tennessee with him and then followed him to Detroit. Uh, he's got that connection. Then he's got his second go around with the Eagles and then even the last couple years with Tennessee. So those guys are straggling around out there too where he was just kind of on the staff, but he knows those guys as well. So it'll be interesting to see. I just kind of want to see some movement inward and some of the old out, you know, in with the new, out with the old is kind of where I'm going. On the offensive side of the ball, Drew Petzing sounds like he's going to get the OC job in Arizona. Um, and... Uh, you know, that brings up kind of, I look at this like an opportunity, right? Kind of to bring in maybe somebody new that can help this transition a little bit. Uh, thoughts on Petzing leaving? You think that affects the team much? We don't really know like to what effect he has really, you know, he never spoke to the press really. Uh, I think he spoke on like Cleveland Browns Daily maybe like three times the whole time he was there, uh, but never like in a presser. So, you know, thoughts on the QB coach uh, changing out there for Watson? I think one one good thing for this team long term, let's say if Stefanski does end up still being the guy, is that in order to attract like position coaches, it's important that people are getting promoted from Stefanski staff um, because then you'll attract better candidates because now, you know, if they would have just mass fired everybody and nobody got to transfer or anything like that, then people would look at this like a death sentence, like it has been for the last like 20 years. Um, But now that it's like, okay, guys are getting hired, especially offensive coaches are getting not just hired. You get some guys get promoted. Same thing with the front office position. That's going to be better for down the road to attract better candidates in those smaller positions. Um, as far as like quarterback coach with Deshaun Watson, um, if we're blaming the quarterback coach for anything this season, then something went terribly wrong, right? Like that's that's basically the gist of it, right? If we are really having extensive conversations this season about whoever this quarterback coach is, if we're mentioning him on a weekly basis, something has gone dramatically wrong. Um, and it's probably not that quarterback coach's fault. It's probably something bigger than that coach. Um, my, the point I'm trying to get home is Deshaun Watson's future and fate in this on this offense and with this team should not be reliant um, in any significant percentage on who the quarterback coach is. If it is, that's a problem. Uh, great point. Probably making too big of a deal out of it. It's interesting, though. I, you know, it's like keep an eye on that. It's a great point about people advancing. Uh, it makes you wonder if they'll not maybe move somebody over from within the organization to take the position, like you know, O'Shea. Uh, and I think they said the tight ends coach both have had experience coaching quarterbacks before, so they really could just kind of shuffle some guys around if they wanted to keep it all in house. Uh, but. I looked at it as an opportunity to, you know, hey, they're changing the offense a little bit. Maybe they bring in somebody with fresh eyes and fresh mindset towards the offense. Um, let's talk about free agency a little bit and what, what the Browns need to do here. What's what's your top priority, Quincy, when it comes to free agency? What's priority one or 1A and 1B if you have one like that? I want to figure out how to bolster this defensive line because how this team is going to be able to win games and defensively, how they're going to be able to fix their flaws is by having a consistent pass rush. Um, Everything else is secondary to that, right? If you do that defensive line right, we're not going to be complaining that much about the free safety because they're not going to have that many opportunities to beat the free safety. If we do this right, things are going to go well. Same kind of idea with Deshaun. We're not going to be worried about the wide receivers as much if Deshaun plays well. If he doesn't play well, we're going to be talking about the wide receivers, the quarterback coach, the offensive line, everything in between. If he doesn't play well, it's going to be all about Deshaun, right? Like that's just how this thing's going to go. If he, and the same kind of principle on the defense, I want to finally, look, Miles Garrett's going to get double teamed no matter what. And he's going to be in the top five in double team percentage. But the goal should be this offseason. How do we make sure he's not number one in double team percentage again, right? Like that's the part of it that is egregious, that he is not just number one. He's always number one by like a distance um, in double team percentage under Joe Woods. So how do you avoid that from happening? What's the plan there? 
part of that plan has to be personnel. Um, and if it's going to be personnel, you're going to have to add some guys in the interior, right? I brought up the Forrest Buckner before the season even ended as, as somebody you can move for. The reason I think that makes sense isn't just because I think some people are thinking about this as just defensive tackle and they're not going to spend that much money on defensive tackle but think about what they have to replace with Jadavion Clowney going out and I know people don't like Jadavion Clowney it doesn't change the fact that he was actually pretty good this two years in Cleveland didn't have the sack numbers the second year but still was a very good player um and what they need to replace is get somebody who's long and strong to be able to defend a run um and somebody who can create pressure and, and garner some kind of attention that does not have to be another edge rusher that could be a three tech that can move around and maybe play some power in like a def, like a DeForest Buckner. Right. And maybe you could change the profile of the type of edges you look for instead of looking for another big edge to bookend with Miles. Maybe you want to go Arden Key. Right. Kind of in that Hassan Reddick mode where in Philly they got those big bodies in the middle and then they like to have guys go inside outside shoulder uh, to kind of create pressure. And again, a lot of this is going to be how can you manipulate offenses away from those double teams or miles because you know the plan is going to be double team miles unless you're playing Cincinnati yeah, they only do it a couple times a game but every other week of the season they're, the plan number one is going to be double team miles right so figure out how that's going to be avoided if that's with more defensive tackles cool if that's with more edge rushers cool but I want to feel like there was a plan for that spot they get that right i think they'll be fine they got really good corners uh the, i think the free safety thing like it is a need i think it's a little bit overblown just because i think you have guys you could plug in that will be fine as free safety you're not going to be ball hawks you know, i don't think you need to get jesse bates or anything like that and i'm not even convinced jesse bates is the right guy for this system um i think it is more or less kind of a you just need somebody to hold it down. It's not going to embarrass you, right? Maybe you want to get a Jordan Poyer if you're really worried about it. Get a veteran in the room to replace John Johnson. That could be something that works. Um, but I don't think you need to go overboard with free safety. Where you do need to make a little bit of an overhaul is on that defensive line. And the reason I'm saying you have to do that in free agency is because we know it takes forever for linemen especially to get to NFL level size. Like that's just a, like you look at a big lineman in like Keanu Benton's the one I've been using. He's a big yeah. dude. He's like 310. 310's light in the NFL. Like, yeah. like you, you look at other, it's like 320. Um, So, you know, it, it's, it's just a difference. And I think that's the biggest difference in the NFL is like the size. Like, I don't know if you ever been to camp, but like last year I was looking at like Jerome Ford. And if you see Jerome Ford by yourself, that's a big guy. And then you see Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb walk out, and you're like, Jerome Ford ain't that big. No. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, like it, that is the part of it that takes a while is, you know, that NFL body thing. Like football is not basketball where you could just be 19 to play in the NFL. It's going to take years for you to get that body size, especially in the in the hit, like the bang positions, like running back to get to that size. Um like you could do it at corner wide receiver. I think you can get away with it because the size isn't that pressing, even though the size is still bigger than you think. Um, but you, especially in those trenches, guys need to get big and like it. Yeah, maybe Perion might be there in year two, but that would be early. You yeah. know what I mean? The young guys are going to take a while to develop. You need to get some guys now so you can have the time to develop the young guys behind. Yeah, absolutely. So the uh, it does, and and even like first round picks. I mean, uh, our you know uh, Jordan Davis, right? I mean, he did it wasn't spectacular. You get guys like that, you expect to come in and contribute right away at defensive tackle. It's just going to take time, right? You know, change your body, change the process. It's different. The transition to the NFL is a different thing, and it takes a couple years, as we're seeing even with guys like Jordan Elliott, who haven't really you know, become what we thought they could be. And he was like a third round pick, right? So it's uh, it's not something you can go out and fix in the draft. If you want to fix it right away, it needs fixed through free agency. Free agency, these events of tackle class is interesting. There are some high-end guys, and then there's a lot of in-between. Um, I like what you're saying about, you know, some of those guys that can play edge, like maybe Draymond Jones has played a little edge and inside as well. Uh, but guys like that, um, I don't think 
Like a lot of people have mentioned your Duran Paynes and your and your uh, you know Hargraves and everything, but like I don't think that happens, right? I think that you need too much there and with Edge Quincy that I think that you probably have to kind of piecemeal this thing together a little bit, like a couple. You know, a couple three to five million dollar guys like your Anyamadas or your or your uh, Matt Ioannidis or uh, you know your Jaron Reeds, somebody like that, like a little bit further down uh, on the free agency list to come in and play defensive tackle. If you bring like a couple of those guys in that that Schwartz likes, I think you can fix that room pretty quickly, um, and then use your who you have already in there as your rotational pieces as far as edge goes i you mentioned arden key i think that's interesting but i kind of think they might do the same thing there it's interesting there's a group of guys at edge that are considered like starters guys like miles that play 600 700 snaps at edge right and then there's your rotational guys who are playing like 350 snaps 400 snaps at edge and those guys get paid at a totally different level I think like two of maybe like the rotational guys could probably maybe fill the room more than just like a one starter. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, so we we lost uh, Quincy there. That's okay. We'll get him back on. Sorry, guys. Uh, yeah, but I was talking about, and, and I did this with Jack through the uh, the the free agency look at uh, end and defensive tackle. Is that you can probably put these guys together uh, a little bit better without. Sorry about that, Quincy. We lost you there for a minute. I don't know what yeah. happened. You good? Yeah. Okay, uh, so I was just saying that I think they could probably put together the line at edge and on the interior with guys that aren't necessarily your big names, but, you know, maybe mid-level guys, and a couple of them is probably suits them better than swinging at one big home run that costs you a ton of money. Yeah, yeah, I think they'll probably go with the committee route. And honestly, that's the best way to go when it comes to defensive tackles. Um, I mean, like, you, you can even point to the ones that we feel like got the big names, right? Uh, Cincinnati, DJ Reader. Well, DJ Reader was part of a grouping of guys that they brought in, right? They traded for DJ Reader. They brought in BJ Hill. They also brought in Larry Ogunjobi. Um, and that kind of bolstered the interior of their defensive line that year in 2021, which rolled into 2022, four of them. So, yeah, I would say that's probably the way to go. Um, putting all your eggs in one basket in a position like defensive tackle is a dangerous way to live because we've seen that go horribly wrong, right? Albert yeah. Hainsworth just comes to mind, right, where, where people have paid uh, in Dominican Sue, right? Another one where he when he got the big money, it was a big deal. You're going to fix this, and it didn't fix, uh, fix anything, because you have to rotate these guys so much, it's better to have a stable of good ones versus having one great one because the one great one's not going to be on the field that much. So even if you do get a DeForest Buckner, you still need to get a couple of guys that you feel good about. Now, that might require Perrion Winfrey stepping up in his second year and then maybe getting another guy like a Dalvin Tomlinson or somebody like that in free agency. But this is where scouting comes into play. And I think, um, and I think what, will be the benefit to this team is I think the issues with drafting defensive tackles have been the recommendations of the last staff, right? Like I think this is a staff that kind of people forget the draft is a process between the coaches and the GMs. We talk about it a lot as if it's GMs and then the coaches coach during the season, but it's really intermingled all season. So what they're looking for and what their guardrails are going to be are partly based on, you know, the overall guardrails for the team. They want to be this athletic. They want to fit these profiles. That's the deep, that's the stuff that everybody fear mongers about. And then you have the more specific stuff, right? Your Joe Woods. Hey, Joe, what do you prioritize? What do you need? What ingredients do you need? 
he needed DBs, right? That's what he felt like he needed to make his system work. So you saw the Browns put a lot of focus at DB. Uh, yeah. Now they have Jim Schwartz. Jim Schwartz will say, hey, I want to focus on that front seven. I want to make sure I can get the best out of that. That's going to change the draft focus. And instead of it, also, you have to think about the recommendations of it, right? Because a lot yeah. of these scouts kind of rely on, hey, how do you think this guy's going to fit your system, Joe Woods? How do you feel like this guy is? Maybe Joe Woods wasn't so good at that at projecting which guys would fit into his system and not because the issue that I had with it is like, what were the roles in the front seven? Like we really didn't know what the roles were. They weren't really defined. So if we can't tell, how can you know what role that you're looking for specifically to draft the player? in? so you just drafted general athletes and that's a recipe for disaster in defensive line because it's a lot of athletic big men. But defensive line, kind of like boxing, you got to like to fight to be able to do that for a while because it hurts. Like, it just hurts. That position hurts to play. Um, it's the same thing with nickel, right? Like, I think one of the biggest blunders by that last staff was putting Greg Newsom at nickel. And the blunder wasn't just doing that because on paper it made sense. And that's what people told me all summer. But what I felt like was the issue with putting Greg Newsom at nickel was, one, you're using one of your best corners to play nickel when he would just be better playing outside corner. Um, so I don't get the point in that. Nickel, nickel DBs aren't that important. They are important, but they aren't that important. And two, look at the dudes who are really good at playing nickel DB. Like, look at the best ones. They're usually undrafted or maybe fifth round or sixth round corners who are scrapping by or special teamers, right? Like, these are the guys who are good at it. That's not a coincidence. The reason that happens is because that's one of them positions where if you could do anything else, dog, you would do it. Like, this is just what you can do. So putting somebody who can play on the outside on the inside is a recipe for disaster because there's a willingness of hitting that that dude's just not going to have because Greg Newsom knows – I'm a, I can play outside. I don't have to do this. I have the skills to live on the outside. Whereas the only reason somebody like Mike Hilton is willing to play linebacker basically at five foot 10, 100, 200 pounds is because he has to, to stay in the league and get paid and to get snaps in the NFL. Those are the dudes who are going to be willing to do that, right? It's like the greedy Williams of special teams. Why does that work? He's a great athlete. He ain't trying to do that. Like, that's just what it is. Like, there are dudes who are trying to do that. There are dudes who aren't. And we overlook that sometimes because we get too wrapped up in the numbers. And I think that's one of the things the staff could use somebody like Jim Schwartz because he would know, hey, man, you can't just ask somebody to play the slot. Like, Jalen Ramsey's a good example of where people thought that was working out. But you watch some games, he causes issues because he ain't really trying to be in the box every play because he's Jalen Ramsey. He don't got to do that. Like, why would I do that if I had any other choice? Like, you, I don't know if you've ever played special teams, Brad, but that's not a grouping of people who do that no. because they want to do it. That's no. somebody who, that's how they get on the field and it's punishment and it's paid every time. And you don't do it because you got options. You just don't. don't you're, as much as J.J. Watt was a tough guy, you ever see J.J. Watt out there running, trying to bust the wedge on the kickoff? You know what I mean? No. He would do it for the team. But he wasn't trying to do that because he's J.J. Watt. He ain't got to do that, man. Like, there's a level of pain and discomfort that you only put yourself through when that's what you got to do. And MJ Stewart was a good uh, nickel DB for this team. He was a dude on his last leg in the NFL. You want to find a nickel corner? He's probably playing in the XFL right now or the USFL. He's probably one of those dudes who's like, hey, I got to do what I got to do to stay in the league. That's what it is. That's the kind of, that's why Belichick's always great at finding these guys because that's one of the things he's good at finding. Yeah. Perfect example is uh, Tavier Thomas, right? Was on the special teams guy. He went to the Texans and he became their nickel corner for the last two years, right? Tavier Thomas leaves. He goes and plays nickel. You're absolutely right. It's in, it, it, you see a lot of UDF. Yeah. You see, yeah. You'd see a lot of UDFAs doing it, um, and uh, that's interesting. Uh, so, very good call there. I, it'll be interesting to see what they do with Greg uh, on as far as him not wanting to play slot. Thoughts on what, what, what do you do with your corner room now that he has kind of vocally made it clear that he doesn't want to do that anymore? Uh, how do you think Schwartz addresses that? I think they should bring in, at least bring in a depth 
nickel corner. So when somebody's at least dinged, you can kick him outside and make him happy some of the time. He shouldn't be playing in the nickel. Like, that's the thing. I agree. I agree. Yeah, he shouldn't be out there in the nickel. And that's where, like, look, Martin Evers is a good pick. But, like, why did you draft him is the question there. Because it's like, now you have a log jam, right? Yeah. And I know a lot of people are Martin Emerson fans. And I like Martin Emerson a lot, too. But he's probably the one that would have to go in this situation because Greg Newsom is just more capable. Um, He has less limitations than the third-round pick Martin Emerson. But that's, that's just what it is. And I think Newsom made it public because in relationships, some people think that saying stuff in public is what, what makes it wrong. No, having a misunderstanding that I am doing something that I am not going to do is what will destroy relationships, right? If Brad, if you said, Hey, Quincy, man, come on here at eight o'clock. And I knew that I wasn't about to be on here at eight o'clock. Then give you no warning. Eight o'clock comes around. I ain't here. You would be pretty upset with me versus if I was like, I can't do eight o'clock. You'd be like, okay, I can work with that. Right? Like, it's about knowing up front. And I think that was just him making it very clear. Like, dude, they don't have uh, contact with Jim Schwartz right now, right? You're not allowed. I think that's one of the things people forget when they go, why did they make it public? He's not allowed to have contact with Jim Schwartz right now because it's like in this weird period of the CBA. So this is how you let it be known. I ain't doing that. that's how you have to let it be know that like now there's the clowny way of doing it where you add the sass on top of it and you talk about how they only try to let miles eat that's a recipe to get yourself kicked out of town but what greg newsom did was they asked him he played outside he's like i want to make it very clear no no like they can do with that information what they do what they want but i'm not doing that and honestly, I probably should have never did it to begin with. Um, yeah. And look, he's a young player. He got talked into doing something dumb. And everybody was telling him it was a good idea. I feel like I was one of five people that was like, hey, I this don't, don't make any this. sense. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, why would you take a first rounder that proved that he could play outside and kick him in? And then and then on top of that, Quincy, his agent and everybody else involved at some point is going to start asking about the money. I mean, he makes one uh, a slight nickel corner makes one fourth of what an outside corner makes. It's just uh, kind of crazy to think about. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. Way, I want to ask that PFF's top uh, nickel DVs, right? Kenny yeah. Moore, undrafted. Mike Hilton undrafted yep. <laughs> Jonathan Jones fourth round um yep. Chauncey Gardner Johnson fourth round Taryn Johnson fourth round there is a reason this is like this y'all like I'm on to yep. something I feel like when I say these are not dudes who like to play slot they just end up playing slot and that's just what it is gotta you gotta get in where you fit in to get on the team sometimes and that's uh that's how that stuff starts working out it's a great point actually so um it'll be interesting to see how they handle that yeah he he wrote no no as big as he can i wanted to tell you earlier when you're talking about don't play slot the second year in the nfl i don't know why he said yes like that that's what my like if i had to ask his agents anything i'm like why did you say this was a good like why why did you advise him to do this or did you tell him don't do this and this is why he's like y'all were right (laughs) i should have never done that maybe he got caught wrapped up in like you know people were like hey you got to do it for the team and all that and that that's not good for everybody sometimes just doing everything because somebody tell you to do it no absolutely not yeah because that's what he said he was like i'll do it for the team i'll you know i'll you know i got it i can cover this role i'm excited about it he's not excited about it anymore and uh yeah they're gonna probably try to move on from that he should not be out there um another topic here quincy that a lot of people have been talking about is uh running back in nick chubb and it's always a topic but more so because of stuff like this which came out here i'll bring this up here uh this was a tweet going around right after the Super Bowl, and it outlines here uh, what each running back made uh, on the Super Bowl teams for like the last whatever years, and it's like nothing, right? Like these dudes made are all none of these guys are on a an extension that paid them well. None of them are uh, received, uh, you know, a second or third contract. They're all very minimal payments. Uh, so the question is. 
really, ultimately, a lot of people are saying, well, uh, did we make a mistake? First of all, um, with the direction that potentially and hopefully this offense is going, where they're going to probably throw the ball more, and looking at things like this, did paying Nick Chubb $12 million a year, was that a misallocation of funds, even though he's your best player on offense? Well, the thing is, like, Nick Chubbs are rare. So anytime you do something like this, it's going to pop up because there's like one or two, there's like four running backs in the league every year that are like better than everybody else. And those are the ones that get contracts. So it's it's kind of a hard thing to do because like, Ahmad, like if if the if the Rams replace Cam Akers with Nick Chubb, they're probably still winning the Super Bowl this that year, right? It, it, if the Chiefs yeah. had Nick Chubb on the roster um, instead of Isaac Pachanko, they're probably still winning the Super Bowl, right? It's one of those things that comes down to probability more than like you cannot win the Super Bowl because your running back is getting paid a lot. We do this a lot with like quarterback contracts running back contracts and then we go wow look at how everything's telling us that the guys because only like 10 percent of the league gets paid for real like that's why you can point these numbers out like how many quarterbacks are actually paid there's like seven right um so yeah i think there will be these parallels i think these parallels exist more because there's like four running backs that really get paid right now there's zeke there is Nick Chubb, and then there's Derrick Henry, and then I, I I'm pressed to find the other ones that are actually getting like real money from the running back position. So I don't think that makes it impossible for the Browns. I don't think it's a misstep because a misstep would be letting good players go. And it's not like Nick Chubb's taking up a disordinate amount of money. Like you signed Deshaun Watson and Miles Garrett after you signed Nick Chubb. It clearly yeah. was not prohibiting you from doing anything. Um, so now nah, I point. think what I think that that's more or less of a that's less of a uh, causation. It's more of a correlation um, because I don't think that's what's that's what's been. I, I would be hard pressed to say, hey, the reason the Browns haven't reached their goals or, or uh, their ambitions is because of Nick Chubb or the contract that they're paying him. I think it's been about the quarterback position um, yeah. f- for every year, uh, whether it's. Uh, Baker not living up to expectations or, you know, uh, Deshaun not winning all six of his games in a row, even though I think they were technically eliminated by the time he took a snap or no, they were technically eliminated after the uh, Cincinnati game. So, you know, whether it's that or that, you know, Deshaun not being electric off the bat, quarterback's been the issue for this team. Um, And if quarterback gets fixed, we're going to be all right. Right. But the big, the big dog is uh, Pat Mahomes. And I think that's what we need to focus on because you're not getting to the Super Bowl unless you could beat Pat Mahomes. And you're not beating Pat Mahomes unless you have an elite quarterback. Jalen Jalen Hurts was as good as you could be, but he was not elite to Pat Mahomes. And he ended up being a victim to the Pat Mahomes train, right? Like, that's just what it is, right? That's what going up against Pat Mahomes is. I say this, some people disagree. He's football Jordan. I ain't never seen nothing like it, right? Like Brady was cool. He was Larry Bird, right? You know, you come up with all these reasons, this grit. You ain't got to come up with nothing when it comes to Patrick Mahomes. Just turn on the TV. Like Tom Brady was a generational quarterback where you had to legitimately be explained the game of football to be able to understand why what Tom Brady does is great. You don't got to know anything about football. You turn that thing on, you're like, oh, that's the best player. And that's what Pat Mahomes, that's what Jordan was, right? People just turn on TV. Oh, that's the best dude that's doing this ever, right? When Jordan was on, it's that way with Pat Mahomes where you're like, okay, nah, this is the best dude in the NFL. This is the best player. Um, And unfortunately for the Browns, he's in the AFC. So he ain't going to stop going to AFC championship games anytime soon. So you want to get there, you got to get through him. And what you need is elite quarterback play. And you need Watson to re-enter his name into the conversation of the Burroughs and of the Mahomes and all of that. He needs to get his name back in that conversation. If he doesn't, it's ultimately going to be a fun ride, but it might not be enough. So here's the question, and you bring this up about him being in the AFC. There's a lot of good quarterbacks in the AFC, and there's a lot of teams 
that are bidding for good quarterbacks, like the Jets are hell bent on bringing in a good quarterback right now. Uh, you know, uh, you know, they're in on the Aaron Rodgers and Lamar Jackson. Supposedly, we'll see if anything comes of all that. But you've got your studs in the AFC, and it's a little bit of an arms race. Um, a lot of people. Uh, myself included, I kind of feel like the Browns need to add another wide receiver. Um, and I feel like there are a lot of teams, Quincy, in the AFC that want to take big swings this offseason, but there's really no swings to take right now. Your free agency wide receivers, the best guy is Jacoby Myers. It's a crap free agency class, right? Like, there's no studs in it, right? You can find your guys. Like, I think Paris Campbell's intriguing and things like that. But And DJ Shark is intriguing. But there's no home runs in the free agency class. Right now, there's DeAndre Hopkins, who's on the trade block. Maybe. We'll see what Austin Fort says once he gets there, right? And really nothing else. Now, last year, the same thing happened, and a bunch of big swings opened up, negotiations broke down, and there was players available to go after in the trade market. But right now, there's not any, but there's a lot of teams who are leaning into the offense, right? And leading into the offensive trends of the NFL that want to take us big swing. There's nothing there right now. Do you feel like the Browns need to take a big swing on offense? I think... Uh, the big swing would be helpful. I don't know if they need it, right? Um, I will put this out there. If we think, I saw somebody put that in there, uh, that I think Watson can get close to Mahomes, and I think Watson truly believes that he's as good as Pat Mahomes, right? And that's great that he believes that. I don't know if that's necessarily true. Hope it is, right? (laughs) It would be great for us if he is. Um, But I think if you look at that, and you look at what the Browns have to what the Chiefs have, it's a similar thing, right? Where you can plug in Marquez Valdez Scantling, you could put in DPJ for that role, right? That's pretty much the same role. Then you have a guy who could work the slot, be your chunk guy. That's Mari Cooper, right? You know, kind of go inside, do outside, do both. Um, and then you need your tight end. Now, look, David and Joku is not Travis Kelsey. Not many people are Travis Kelsey, but David and Joku is really good, right? And what yeah. they need to figure out more than anything, right? Because I think we're getting into archetypes. If I, I honestly, for me, I would rather have a 50-50 ball guy, like a DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, Mike Williams is not available like Mike Williams. I think those are the guys that Deshaun's going to do well with. A speed guy would be helpful. I think you can get a speed guy in, in, the, uh, in the draft. I think if we're looking at this based on what we have on the roster, a speed guy is honestly a role player. For this offense, he's not really going to be a main factor, but that 50 50 guy, I think is going to be so helpful because it adds another dimension of complexity to the defense in the red zone that they just don't have. And I think that was the biggest problem, right? You look at the drop touchdowns last year, right? Where we're like, oh, he should have had it. What were they? They were 50-50 balls, right? They, they were, were fades and in, in, in these plays that just we did not have the player that can grab those on a consistent basis. Now, hopefully, David and Joku develops into that. And I think that's what a lot of people are hoping for, but that might not happen. So, you know, if, if you do get a D hop, I think what people are sleeping on is that D hop is a legit 50-50 ball guy, right? He ain't gonna stretch the field, but he's a 50-50 ball guy. And that that's gonna make Deshaun Watson's life a lot easier because if they have to worry about that lob that little fade that they throw, then they can go read option. You could be worried about Nick Chubb up the middle. You could be worried about the shine running. He could do a little run action stop and then throw the fade up, or he can just complete out the run if he gets the right read. And then all of a sudden you're stretching out the defense on multiple dimensions. I think that's more important because the problem wasn't we couldn't get to the red zone, um, even with Deshaun Watson. The problem was we weren't finishing these drives. And what did we talk about? A lot of drop touchdowns when Deshaun was out there, right? People just not making the plays at the end of the game. That sounds to me like we need a guy who can get those 50-50 balls more than we need a speed guy. Speed would be great, but I want a guy who can go up and get it. That's why I like a guy like Marvin Mims because he's not a big dude, but he's a guy who go up and get it, got up and got it. Um, at yeah. Oklahoma a lot. Uh, I know a lot of people like Tyler Scott. I think he would be cool there. Um, but that's what I want is, hey, give me a guy who can go up and get it, um, a 50-50 ball guy. And I think that would be something that Deshaun's going to be able to make more use of than uh, than a speed guy. And that's why I think that he even knows that. And he's thinking, I get D-hop in here. It's trouble. 
Yeah. Yeah. It's an interesting point. Um, one thing that I think that, listen, I'm all for the them adding another wide receiver, but one thing we need to be careful of um, is, like, if the Browns are going to allocate funds or make a big swing, like bringing in a third wide receiver that's like a legit guy, the offense better be equipped to use him. Like, if you look at the targets last year, like David Bell combined with uh, Michael Woods got like 40 targets on the year. So don't go out and spend a bunch of money and then give that third receiver 30 targets where like the Bengals are giving Tyler Boyd 75 targets and, and uh, you know, Isaiah McKenzie with the Bills is getting 75 targets. If you're going to get a third receiver, they better be ready to throw the ball more and use them more. So I, I guess that's my question. Do you think the offense will transition enough to validate needing that third wide receiver. Here's the truth of football, especially in the NFL. When you have a quarterback that you're paying this amount of money to, the offense is as much that quarterback's as it is the offensive coordinator, right? Aaron Rodgers don't be running a lot of gimmicky offense. You know what Aaron Rodgers' offense usually look like? What Aaron Rodgers like to do? <laughs> you know, yeah. Big Ben was the big example, right? I used to have talks with guys in Pittsburgh all the time. Oh, it's going to be different. We got a new offensive coordinator for Ben. Is it Ben's going to be different? He's going to be doing play action. Ben never did anything that Ben didn't want to because yeah. the offense was Ben Roethlisberger, Peyton Manning, Tom Brady. These offenses don't look that different when they go different places because they're going to run what they are comfortable with because if you're paying somebody that amount of money, you're not trying to find what they're good at. You know what they're good at. You're just trying to put them in position to do that. So unquestionably, yeah, they're going to switch this offense up to, to what Deshaun wants to do because you don't trade and sign for a guy unless you're ready to make that level of commitment. Now, the question might be, hey, why didn't that happen last year when he came in? And I would say because the team had to deal with a suspension of 11 games to that quarterback, right? So you had to find a way to get the offense upright. You can't run Deshaun Watson plays with Jacoby Brissett. Um, and you can't really run it with anybody who's not Deshaun Watson. So you had to get an offense up, a base level offense of what you usually run. Um, and then Deshaun had to come in there and basically run that same stuff. And that's not what he does, right? Yeah, next year, he, the next year when he has a full offseason, you know he's starting week one, um, barring anything, knock on wood, he's going to be able to do what he wants to do, and the offense is going to look like what Deshaun Watson usually does. That's what it's going to be. We're going to see less of the 13, and honestly, we didn't even see that much 13 personnel last year as they prepared the roster for this kind of change. And look, what was one of the things we was complaining about in 2021 was, oh, we can't get a 1,000-yard wide receiver with Kevin Stefanski to save our life. We almost had three. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. like we Great almost point. had three so like that's already gone under undergone the changes it needs to and i think it'll continue to happen because that's just the reality um you know like russ right now i don't care who they bring in shot well they brought in sean payton guess what sean payton running with russ like you know what i mean and yeah. you know why russ made the move there and uh why the coach got fired and why he didn't like working with pete carroll anymore because russ wanted to keep running with russ like and pete carroll kept telling him he can't run the stuff he liked no more because he's not good enough anymore and that's what got him in trouble in in, in a uh, in uh denver because he just couldn't run it anymore whatever he liked but yeah. that's that's what it is uh you're gonna run whatever that quarterback likes because What's the point of paying a quarterback that much money? Pat Mahomes right. is not about to be running uh, a zone read option scheme ever in his career. He's going to run four verticals until the day he can't throw the X on the four. Like, that's yeah. just what he's going to do. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and, and, and quarterbacks actually going to like what they're successful at, what they're good at. They're going to audible to what they get. And uh, we know that Watson is intelligent enough to do that. So it's a really, really great point. Let's finish with this here. Uh, let me uh, thank you so much for the time tonight. I know we're running up against an hour here, so thank you, Quincy. Quincy Carrier uh, here tonight on All Eyes on Cleveland. Uh, make sure you hit like and subscribe at the OBR Twitch and uh, YouTube channels. And then follow uh, Quincy. Watch all his videos at Quincy Carrier on YouTube as well. As well as follow him on Twitter at Quinn, uh, K-W-E-N underscore C. Uh, so the Ravens have hired Todd Munkin, who was here 
uh, two years ago, and there was the uh, famous uh, not enough Munkin or too much Munkin uh, phrase that everybody discussed. Todd really didn't do anything here that year uh, that I can recall because it was, you know, the Freddie Kitchens car crash uh, of a season. Uh, but he went to Georgia and has dazzled. Um, I don't know uh, what they're what is going to happen with Lamar. But real quickly before we get out of here, thoughts on the Monk and Hire and what does happen with Lamar? I mean, I don't think Georgia was known for their offense. Correct me if I'm wrong, Brad. I feel like the thing about Georgia that we found incredibly impressive was the defense. Now, they did have some pieces on offense. They did have success because they got the ball a lot because the defense was really that good. Um, but the way that people talked about beating Georgia was, hey, make them play offense, right? That was Ohio State's game plan. We're going to make you throw a lot. Turned out that Stetson Bennett, he has one of these games every year where he just becomes a different human being. And that happened to be the one where he became a different human being. Um, but as far as like a Todd Monken working in, in Baltimore, well, it depends on who the quarterback's going to be. And like, I'm going to be honest, I don't think it's going to be Lamar Jackson. Like, I just, it doesn't seem like it's going in that direction. Um, it seems like the owner has made it a sticking point that he is not going to pay Lamar Jackson. And at that point, it kind of becomes disrespect uh, or perceived as disrespect by Lamar. And we've seen this where if a contract negotiation and somebody feels disrespected, he might take a less than $230 million guaranteed deal. But he ain't taking that with you. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, yeah. I ain't going to take that with you. I go. It's like if you get if you ask a question at a store and the store owner cusses you out or makes you feel disrespected anyway, you will leave that store, go to Target and you might pay more for those batteries that you could have got at Walmart. But you felt like somebody was rude and it was worth wasting the extra dollar because you know what? You ain't about to disrespect me. I'm about to out here just help you out. That's not how it is. That's it's human nature, right? Like we talk about football and all these things. At the end of the day, it's not much different than what we go through in our day to day because it's just human interaction. Um, and yeah, they can franchise tag them. I saw somebody bring up that point. But again, this is the human element of it. You can franchise tag Lamar Jackson. But do you want the leader of your team to feel like to to do you want the question in the air to be hey um does Lamar actually want to be here because he didn't willingly sign the contract to come back here right and then you have the question of hey if you're on the Ravens and you might sign a long-term deal is Lamar gonna be here because usually that franchise tag thing don't work out now I don't know if I want to be here long term if Lamar is not going to be here and then also remember all these questions about his leg because he didn't have a contract oh if he misses any games next year, maybe maybe guys yeah. start thinking about is he not playing because he he's injured? Is he is he is he dog lecking on us or is he actually hurt? Oh, now this thing needs surgery during training camp? Huh? Like all of a sudden, everything that he does will be looked at in this skeptical lens that will not be charitable to him and that's not going to be helpful towards winning in that locker room that's not going to be helpful towards winning to the ravens you can technically do it but if you've ever managed people you know that's not how you want to get this done if the ravens want to keep lamar they're gonna have to pay him and it seems like lamar wants to be paid what he asked to be paid and nothing less and if that's the terms, then I don't see the Ravens meeting that. And I don't think that they're going to try to go through the dog and pony show of uh, franchise tagging him and having him do uh, the sit out stuff. I think they'll just end up trading him. Because, again, even if you're the Ravens, if you franchise tag him for some kind of work, what if he's not playing well? What if he doesn't play half the games because, you know, he had a little scratch here and there? He doesn't want to hurt his value when he can get a contract. All of a sudden, now the trade value you could get for Lamar Jackson has dramatically decreased for that next offseason. Because if he has another bad season or another not as great statistical season, it's not hard for people to be out on Lamar Jackson because they're always critical of his style of play. All of a sudden, they're going to act like he's old. He can't play anymore. Now the value dropped significantly. This is the time to get rid of him if you're going to get rid of him. And there's, there's two choices. Pay him, keep him, and just deal with it or get rid of him. The, the franchise tag would be a half step that would lead them towards more misery and less compensation. So it would be smart for them to make the choice. 
you know, at this point, it should have got done in 2019. I think they want to be dealing with this, but they waited till this time to get the contract done. Then, then the Deshaun bomb dropped. Now they got to deal with it. So either you decide you're going to swallow your pride and pay them, even though you don't want to pay them that contract, you can give them that contract or you say, hey, I'm not doing that. Where do you want to go, Lamar? Because you can't be here because I ain't paying that. Good luck yeah. finding it. Get a haul, get some draft picks, and, and uh, go the other way. And the other thing with this whole thing, you, I mean, you make a great point, but like him not going to the playoff game, it's already started. The, that light is already shined yeah, on him. It's already it's already gone, right? Yeah. So if he's playing yeah. under the franchise tag and anything goes wrong, he is he was under such a big magnoscope for that contract, he would be the first MVP out of his like he is a MVP in his rookie deal. He's the first quarterback of his caliber to have to play out a fifth year option, let yeah. alone play on a franchise tag. That's reserved for the Kirk Cousins of the world. The reason yeah. everybody's looking at this is because this situation is weird. Right? Is. Like this is weird. Um yeah. and the weirder I make it and the franchise tag would make this very weird, the more and more scrutiny Every single thing. And remember how much of a pain in the ass the whole Dale Beckham thing was in 2021 because everything was scrutinized by the national media, right? And that's part of why everybody wanted, well, a lot of people wanted him gone was because, like, there was just so much scrutiny around everything that he did. He breathed. It was a story on ESPN. That's going to be times 20 when it's Lamar Jackson, former MVP quarterback of your team and it's impossible to win under such circumstances so what are you really franchising him tagging for him for to maybe win nine games because that's what you're going to win is like nine games maybe yeah. less than that because you would just be putting yourself through a tumultuous time I don't, I don't see the benefit for anybody it doesn't benefit Lamar it doesn't benefit the Ravens it doesn't benefit anybody yeah agreed and there may there may be just too much damage done no agent no buffer zone there them I mean that not having the buffer of an agent to make things sound a certain way is probably a, a big reason why we got here. Like when you have to sit down with your employer and they tell you exactly why they don't want to give you the money that you're asking for, they're going to take that personally. Uh, yeah. And I think one of the things is underlooked is because he doesn't have an agent and remember agents have to have relationships with 32 teams. So yeah. Not saying that they're not looking in your best interest, but they're going to look in this Venn diagram of their interest and your interest. Yeah. Lamar getting that guaranteed contract, that would be deep in the Lamar Venn diagram. That does yeah. not cross over with the agent Venn diagram, who would rather just have a big number, take the percentage off the number and call it a day. Right. If, if it's guaranteed or not, it really don't matter to that agent because they're they get paid off the initial signing bonus. So yeah. an agent would not advise Lamar towards this course of action because an agent would be like, hey, let's play ball. You know, yep. let, let's sign the normal contract. He doesn't want to do it. You're not going to get it. Whereas Lamar has set his foot in the ground saying, no, I feel like I'm better than Deshaun Watson. I have an MVP. Deshaun Watson does not. I will get a, I will get a contract that is close to, if not better than that. And there's nobody that's going to persuade him otherwise because there's nobody in his ear that has the interest of the other teams. And that's why we're at this stalemate because Lamar Jackson is not like, he does not care about what the other 32 teams want. An agent would and the other 32 teams don't want this deal. That's why you saw like six yep. deals come out after the Deshaun Watson. You think it's an accident that like six deals came out after the Deshaun Watson deal that were all less money than Deshaun? And every time they get reported on what they be saying, oh, Kyler Murray, less guaranteed money than Deshaun. You know, yep. like it's always this, even though in no world is Kyler Murray on the same caliber of quarterback as Lamar Jackson. Right. But we keep bringing that up because they want it brought up because they're trying to not have to do this. And Lamar is like, that's your problem. I want my money. Yep. And that is I don't know if it's disrespect. I feel like he's just like, Lamar, we can't give you that contract. And he's like, why not? Yeah, and they don't yeah. really have a good answer. They don't. <laughs> uh, that's tough, man. Tough luck. Yeah. Tough luck because you got to give it to me. Uh, yeah, uh, it's a great point, Quincy. Uh, listen, man, thank you so much for the time. You uh, were terrific as always. Uh, I will have you back again. Uh, go follow Quincy Carrier on Twitter at Quinn underscore C. Thank you so much for your time tonight, man. Uh, appreciate you. Go watch his videos at Quincy Carrier on YouTube. Any parting words for us? Uh, not really. Thank you for having me on. Uh, this was a blast. Uh, yeah. Make sure y'all continue to watch 
uh, Brad stuff. He does a great job here. Um, but yeah, that's it. Thanks, man. I appreciate you. And uh, I will be in touch, man. Thank you. Have a wonderful evening. Quincy Carrier, uh, go check his stuff out on YouTube. He posts like a video every single day. You got to go check him out. He's fantastic. Listen, we are up against it over an hour. I want to tell you real quickly, I said it before, uh, I want, I'm going to give away. So we got these OBR sweatshirts, right? We all wear them sometimes when we're on here. They're nice. They're nice and soft and, and, and really, really, uh, really well done got the little sleeve thing too i'm gonna give away one next week so pay attention make sure you follow me at ward on sports on twitter uh at all eyes on clee on twitter for the podcast here uh but we are going to give away a sweatshirt so make sure you follow the directions to see if you can uh get in on that and maybe we'll throw something else in there too for like a second first second and third right you know something like that but we'll do a giveaway uh, all eyes on Cleveland here on the OBR network. Uh, make sure you hit subscribe if you are on Twitch or YouTube. Hit the like button. Thanks for coming out. Uh, Quincy was fantastic. Uh, let's see. Red leader is too messy for white. I feel you, man. I feel you. you Got to be careful with the white on for sure. Uh, thank you all for watching and listening. Uh, keep coming back. Tell a friend. Uh, this has been another edition of All Eyes on Cleveland for everybody at Blue Wire Podcast. Quincy Carrier, thanks for spending his time. Uh, He was terrific as always. And for everybody at the OBR, my name is Brad Ward. We are out.